Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. MyCastingFile, the place for talent to get their start. All right, welcome to Talking Like Normal People, a show dedicated to talking about acting, casting, and auditions, and probably some other things, too, with people who love it. I'm your host, Ryan Glorioso, casting director based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you to all the listeners and subscribers. Once again, if you, uh, if you could help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, and now we're on Stitcher, um, subscribe to us. Give us a, a good review if you feel so inclined. Um, postcard of the week. All right, so I got a postcard from a kid actor. Uh, the front of it is a, a handsome young man, and it says, got Clark, <laughs> kind of like got milk, right? And then you look on the back of it, and it says, he's good for you. Call him in. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, dear Mr. Glorioso, thank you for having me self-tape for Harold. The dance was super fun. Your friend, Clark. And it looks like he wrote it. I don't think his mama wrote it. No, he did. Right? Yeah. And he's with... Uh, Locally, is with Brenda Netzberger at Open Range. So for all you uh, producers that listen to this show, all none of you, uh, call Brenda to book Clark. All right, I'm done with it. All right. All right, let's get to this week's guest. I'm really excited. All right, our guest this week is a staple in the film and television business. <laughs> He's an actor, a writer, a producer, and a teacher to so many up-and-coming actors in the Southeast. With nearly 200 film and TV credits to his resume, including memorable roles in Ray and Will and Grace, and he was even in an episode of The Golden Girls. I looked it up. Uh, And so many others, dating back to the late 70s. He is a talent I'm always excited to tell my producers is in our market. Please welcome Gary Grubbs to yeah. the show. Woo! And right. Jason's on mic too. I'm on mic. Producer Jason. All right. Before I get into asking you questions and we get into you know all the mayhem that's going to ensue, I I just want to tell you that when I first started doing principal casting, casting actors as opposed to extras, about 2005 or six, um, someone was nice enough to give me you know, my own show, like under my own company. And uh, you were the first actor I ever booked uh, on, oh, a, man, on a I job on my own. And, and, you, and you paid my rate and hadn't cashed me since. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an overscale rate. And I was uh, I was a little nervous about the whole thing. It was it it wasn't hard, ultimately. But, uh, you know, of course, the producers are always like, scale plus 10 for everything and the very first guy out the bat after they're like giving me this shot they're like i'm like um he's over scale <laughs> and then they wanted me to do all this crazy stuff but it worked out because well, it the worked movie. out and I, and I appreciate the job thank you yeah, man it was a jessica simpson movie all right so uh start from the beginning tell us tell the world the small world that listens to the show about you where you come from how'd you get started why are you here today how'd you become an actor okay uh it started i i was selling bulldozers in south mississippi and bored to death but before that so i wanted to do something but i'll back up in college I played football at Southern Miss. There was a guy named Cooper Huckabee who wanted to be in plays on the campus. So he would bring 
his script over and we would rehearse and he would go try out. What, what college was that? Uh, University of Southern Mississippi and this guy's name's Cooper Huckabee and he's still acting today. Oh yeah? 50 years, oh my gosh, 50 years later. <laughs> All right, so uh, he, he, would, just... he would bring the script over and we would rehearse and I thought, oh, he's terrible. <laughs> and uh, uh, anyway, I mean, after four years, his last semester, he gets a part like a spear catcher in a you know some uh, some show they're doing, some uh, theater program on, on campus. Anyway, so that was kind of the end of it. I go, uh, I get married to Glenda Meadows, and we live in Mississippi. He's he's down in Alabama, Mobile, coaching football. Next thing I know, a year or so later, I'm laying on the couch, and I hear his voice. And I roll over, and there he is on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> I thought, oh, man. I love so that So I have his phone number, so I call him up, and he says the very thing he shouldn't say. He says, Grubbs, you should get out here. This beats the heck out of work. <laughs> so, I mean, it was literally. And then my wife, who had been in plays and operas and theater, was not far into the market, had done national commercials. Uh, so we started talking about it, and I said, okay, I'm bored with this this uh, this uh, bulldozer stuff, so let's go out there for six months. So we literally just sold the house, the dog, the barn, everything, had about ten grand, and took off to L.A. You had no acting training and took uh, off to Before LA? I went in that six month, I, I uh, audited and took part in two acting classes on Southern Miss Campus and got up and, you know, did enough that uh, – I thought I was good, really. I mean, I'd had two classes and I was. That's all you needed, I yeah. guess. And thank the Lord that Jimmy Carter was president because Southern was in. Dallas was in. Dukes of Hydrid was in. BJ uh. and the Bear was in. And all I had to do is be me. I didn't have to do any acting. And uh, so literally, I would show up and get parts that I really wasn't. I would show up on the set, didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I knew how to go in the room and get the part. And that started my acting career. And here. 40 years a lot of years later you're you're I'm, a four decader yeah right? i'm a four yeah not many of us and so i'm still doing it kind of you're still doing it so okay so you move out to la with the intention of just trying your hand at acting i mean what what was it like in those beginning days did you start getting work like right away i mean how'd you get an age did well, you need an age all right there are two or? two things i'll back up and then go forward uh, number one, before I went, I also would go to the uh, local uh, library and pull a pull out a script and go because I was watching television, going, "I can write better than this. What is this? I can write better than this." So I had written two scripts before I ever left. So I'm so I go out as a double threat. Never done anything, and I think I'm an actor and a and writer. 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 And this, as we speak, this minute, Netflix is shooting one of my scripts. That is awesome. So That's, so I've sold about a half a dozen scripts over the years and I'm moving back toward that right now as we speak. What was the question that I was going to answer before I went off there? So, uh, how, like, how did you, what okay. was the process, you know, in the beginning days of LA? Like, okay. it, you didn't just land there and get a part. No, so. so I am uh, wise to the system and going, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I find out a casting director from the Gulf Coast, Ramsey King, who's been to my class on the Gulf Coast, and uh, I, you know, call him up and say, I'm from Mississippi, man. You got to help me get my first part. And he goes, are you an actor? And I go, well, kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm pretending to be. And if you'll get me my first part in SAG card, I'll be an actor. So I, I sort of did that. And literally about three months later, I get a call and he says, uh, you know, all right, Grubbs, it's Ramsey King. 
I had met him, met him between those times at the Mississippi picnic. It's where all people from Mississippi go to one picnic in LA. So I'd met him, talked to him. He knows who I am. And he calls me in and says, okay, you just got to say a couple of lines. You think you can do this? And I said, absolutely. And he said, what had happened? I didn't know somebody got fired on the set or didn't show up or something went wrong. So I'm, I'm going in to say two lines on the set. So I get out there and they go, okay, get, get dressed next day, get dressed, get over there. Uh, Hank is waiting on you. And I think, okay, who's Hank? You know? So I show up and it's only Henry Fonda. Oh shit. <laughs> so my claim to fame is not who I work with. And like the fourth part I did was, was Elizabeth Taylor. And then after that, it was Meryl Streep and Cher. And so it's somehow, for some reason, I end up on the set where all of these, you know, historic, huge, iconic, iconic actors are. And I have had, and the same thing with, you know, uh, Eastwood and Mike Nichols and Robbie Benton, all of these Academy Award winning directors. So it's not what I've done, it's who I've worked with. If they say, you're successful, I go, oh yeah, I work with so-and-so. When you showed up to, to set that first time and it was, who was it again? Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda, did you, did you like, was there a part of you that just didn't care enough about all of this that no, you were fine? No, I knew, or were you? No, I knew, as soon as I saw him, I went, holy crap. <laughs> like you're in over your head? Yeah, I'm a, yeah. You know, I wanted a part, but I didn't want to part with Henry Fonda. Yeah, you, know? you, you wanted to like right. do a, a local commercial or but, something. But uh, as Jason will tell you, I'm pretty cocky. And I thought... Uh, <laughs> no one could tell that. <laughs> I thought, what the heck, I can handle this. All I got to do is talk to him, you know? And so, uh, and it worked out well. And so I was in something called uh, Gideon's Trumpet. And, uh, and it plays to this day, almost every day of my life somebody sees me because Gideon's trumpet is the, you didn't think I could talk, did you? Gideon's trumpet is the story of uh, the Miranda rights. Guy oh. goes to prison, he, he, you know, and they told him if you will uh, admit you did it, you won't have to go, he did, and they sent him in prison anyway. So in prison he learns about the law system and he appeals his own case and gets out and it started the Miranda rights. So civic classes and governmental classes all over the country watch it to this day. Oh, wow. So some people will come up to me, you know, kids in the mall and go, you're, you know. That's awesome. You're, you're you, deputy you, so-and-so. Do you remember your two lines from that first movie? Uh, no, next podcast, I'll have that. I'll look that up. <laughs> no pressure. No <laughs> pressure. That's awesome. Okay, so you get that opportunity. You kill it. Um, I mean, you've done so much more work, you know, since then. Now, did you keep flying by the seat of your pants just like with the cockiness or did you <laughs> did you get into some classes and like learn some technique or absolutely i started taking classes and i would i would study for somebody for with three or four months and i'd go to the next class and study for somebody I, I was not one of those i'm a steadler idler or i'm a you know straw i didn't do that i would go from one class to another class because they were all there right and I would learn something from this class and something from this class and then uh, and meet friends, you know, who could uh, help you get an agent or recommend you for an agent. So I began to uh, I knew how to network and that paid off. But I just I could sort of go in the room because I was big and I had a big voice mm -hmm. and I thought I was good and I wasn't nervous. Yeah. So I could go and a lot of it. And as soon the day they started taping auditions, I started getting less work. Really? Because I wasn't in the room. Uh, I didn't yeah, get, I'm, I get that. Yeah. I didn't get to talk to people. I didn't get to joke with them. I didn't get to. And uh, you so. You don't get to present your personality. Right. At all. Yeah. 
You no. know, it's just the character. No, because back then, a lot of times you would get it. You would go in the room and you'd start reading. You're reading ten lines, and the director would go, "No, no, wait, cut, cut. He's wrong for that part. Read him for so and so." Right. You know what I mean? And you don't get that anymore. That's that's so true. I mean, I can't tell you like how often like when we do, when I do casting, you know, half of it's taped auditions, but the people that come in do better, don't they? They do better mostly and I and I can send them out to look yeah. at something else or work on it or change in. it or yeah yeah or give them notes to to switch it up yeah exactly right. um I mean it's you know some people are really good at self-taping and right. they and they do kill it and they book from the tapes but you know I'd say eight times out of ten it's the people who come in live that are gonna yeah. have the the better chance. I'm not good at self-taping after all these years and 200 <laughs> parts I'll look at it and go Oh, send it. It's okay, you know, because I, I do it three or four times, and I go, okay, I'm not good at self taping. I think it's because I'm the only time I'm judging it because it's me and my wife. I'm both the producer, director, and the camera operator and the actor. I'm thinking of too many things. Is your wife a, a good reader with you? She is excellent. She's my techie. She's my reading do you, partner. And do you guys she, argue over auditions? No, she directs me, and I I do whatever you she tells it, me to. You yeah. take the you take the critique. No, we 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 work it well, and she does it. You know, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a pain sometimes, but we get it done. And I think I couldn't be in better shape. Right. Uh, you're, you know, my agent was Claudia for a while, and Claudia kept going, Gary. She's better than you. Can we? Can we? <laughs> she's better better than you. Will you send me her resume? You know that that's actually happened to me uh, once. I I did uh, I did a movie last year, the 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 Don Quixote movie, and uh, I had uh, I don't think he'd mind me saying his name, Terrence Rosemore. You know Terrence. He was with Claudia as well. He sent a self tape in, and <laughs> the producers were like, "Who's this reader?" I was like, I have I have no clue who his reader is. And I, I contacted uh, the agent at the People Store at the time. And I was like, who's Terrence's reader? They're interested in bringing this person in to the callback. Right. And it wasn't an actor. It was his neighbor from upstairs. <laughs> we brought, it was a woman. We brought her in. And she booked, the, she booked his role. Oh, oh, that's wow. even worse. She booked his role. <laughs> yeah, he was cool though. He was like, "That's cool." I, you know, she she was great though. Like it was just like this raw, right. you know, performance. This great voice, you know. And then when you saw her in person, you were like, "Oh my god, she's right. she's amazing." Yeah, you know, it wasn't a huge role. But, I have them walk in yeah. my acting class like that. You come in and they go, "Have you ever done anything? Done a little extra work? Or so and so?" And then they do it, and you think, "Well, you're better than half the class." And it's your first time to walk in. It's it's intelligence, it's instincts, it's communication skills. Yeah. And you don't teach those things. Yeah. And some people have it, and then they go in a hurry. Jason being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, thank you. Didn't you say that your wife Glenda saved you guys when you first got to L.A.? First got to L.A. We we'd been there. We we you know we had like ten or twelve thousand dollars. We thought we were good for three years, and we were good for four months. You know, and all of a sudden we can't pay the rent, and she. Uh, she's going out for commercials, and she gets a commercial on a on a Sambo's commercial, which was Denny's before, you know, Sambo's was yeah. a chain of restaurants, and because it became a racial thing, because they had the little black guy outside holding up a platter, and it was yeah, it was politically incorrect. Yeah. So they were trying to save it, and she gets the uh, she gets a part of a waitress at Sambo's. And she steps out of it of an egg and says, "There's a lot of breakfast for a dollar ninety nine, and that's it." 
as a waitress. And because they were trying to save it, it re- it ran on the morning news, the midday news, the nightly news, and, you know. And that was when commercials were... 30 grand in 30 days. Oh, my gosh. Right? And never happens, you know, after that. But not too long after that, she got an uh, she got a part with Orson Welles. Wow. How do you like that? Because so, he saw the Sambo commercial? Yeah, exactly. He really? Wanted, he wanted the breakfast for it. No. <laughs> uh, it was some kind of... Mach- some kind of... Uh, copy machine when they were just coming in copy machines were just coming in wash something in and so they shot it and something went wrong and they had to shoot it again and they flew her to massachusetts first class like they used to do so she got the you know and then it never showed commercial never showed but she worked with orson wells and so she saved us the first year wow was orson wells in that commercial because yes. there's like a viral Orson Welles commercial that goes he's around drunk he's drinking. drunk in it like it's like a, a take of him that they didn't use is it about a copy machine no I think no, it's, it's like about a sh- champagne champagne yeah yeah so it's a terrible combination yeah he's, he's really been takes. drinking the the champagne <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, all right so what was the moment that because you got there and a few years later you started booking some things was there like a, a moment that shifted your career and started making you work regularly yeah I got um I started reading for regular roles on series and there was a series came out called uh, for love and honor, a military series. Okay. And uh, I became the captain of, I don't know. It was uh Yafet Coda, Cliff Potts, you know, Shelly Smith. Remember the member of the model? No. Sh- Shana, <laughs> Shanna Reed, who was um, the, the wife on major dad. Okay. Uh, John Travolta's current wife okay. was the little cute girl. Anyway, I got a role on that. And from that, everybody at NBC knew me. And, uh, Amazing. Yeah. And, and then from there, I kept, which, how, how which that years? led me to Will and Grace 20 years later. Wow. I want to talk about Will and Grace because okay. I'm a big fan. How, how long did it take you to get the Love and Valor show? Love and Honor. Or Love and uh, Honor. While, uh, before, 86, 82. Says eighty three on your IMDb. Yeah, so uh, four, four year, four or five years. So what did you do in those four years to to make money? Yeah, uh, uh, my wife uh, taught modeling and and I don't know what you would call it etiquette. You know, at this little place. Uh, so you had a sugar mama? No. Oh, okay. No, I basically made a living. Okay. I basically would get a commercial here every oh. two or three months. I get a commercial. Or I would get a part. So you were like just and, an actor from yeah, the get go. Yeah, I've never had a job since I said I was going to be an actor. That's except crazy. being an actor. That doesn't happen. For well, everyone. yeah, pro- maybe not. But you know, uh, Dukes of Hazard and Dallas and BJ and all that kind of stuff. I would slide into one of those or the other, and then I started getting. But what I may have played a lawyer more than anybody in history. <laughs> and I did that by trying to trick the casting director, which Jason, you have to do sometimes. Uh, I go in and I keep reading for, uh, you know, because I'm big and because I'm Southern, they want me to be the bad guy, the rude guy, the, you know, the character guy. And I would see this and I think I'd be great as a lawyer. Right. So I get, so here's what I do one time. They, and you used to go to this, there was no fax machine. So you would go to the studio and pick up your sides. Well, right. I learned to pick up all the sides uh, instead of just mine. Then I'd get home and go, I'm better for this part. So nice. I'd get home and there was a part of a lawyer in this show with uh, John Larquette, Lindsay Wagner, Bionic Woman. Anyway, 
So, and it's the story of a, a mailman accused of raping somebody. Yeah, raping somebody. And he has, he has a lawyer. So I go in to read for the mailman who rapes the girl. And I walk in in my suit and whatever. And they go, okay, you're reading for uh, the mailman? I go, I thought I was reading for the lawyer. Now, I knew I wasn't reading for the lawyer, right? <laughs> and they said, no, you're reading for the mailman. I said, oh, oh, heck, I'm sorry. My agent messed that up. I said, well, I'm here. Let me read for the lawyer. And then I'll go out and read for the mailman. Nice. I got the lawyer. Nice. Now I know your tricks. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, from now on, when I come you in, I go, I want a bigger part. You had to show them. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so I got the show, but I w- it was a lifetime, and boom, I became the lifetime lawyer. Hey, that that's yeah. awesome. I I get actors that do that sometimes. You know, right. they'll come in, they come in, and they're prepared for what I've sent them, and they'll be like, "Hey, I also prepared blah," and I'm like. <laughs> I just feel bad most of the time, and it's like, okay, Don't have time. let's let's do it. Yeah, if I have time, like I I literally give everyone five minutes, you know. So if I get behind, you can't do five it. Five minutes, it's like it's yeah. It's then torture. you're behind ten minutes, yeah. and then you're done. And I don't have lunch. Right. I'm really mean when I don't have lunch. So okay, so then all these jobs are happening. Twenty years later, we get Will and Grace. Right. Which becomes like one of the most iconic shows on television, and now it's back. Right. I mean, what did that do for your career? Uh, well, so what happened to Will and Grace was I had those two producers had done something called Boston Common. Remember that? I do. Yeah. And I did a small part on Boston Common, like six weeks before they're shoot, getting ready to shoot that pilot, and I get a call and go. The, the producer called me and says, "Gary, look, there's like a four line part." But I'll give you top of the show. I need you to come do it. I need it'll be you'll be funny and this is a new show. And you know, a producer call you and say, Won't you? Yeah, I said, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I get over there and they have a guy that's Will's boss. And so for a week he's doing the part, we're doing the readings, we're doing the rehearsals, we're doing everything, and he can't make it work. And I'm thinking, this is pretty funny stuff, right? So uh I don't know why I can't make it work. And I thought, what's gonna happen? Because we're getting ready to shoot this show. You know, on Friday, and it's, you know, I show up on Thursday morning, and they go, okay, you're doing his part. Wow. And and I did his part, and I knew how to make it work, and I made it work. And then the network, this is the inside of the business that people don't like. The network said, we love him. Make him a regular on the show. But the producers didn't put me as a regular on the show. No. The network, the head of the network. Wow. Warren Littlefield said, I love him, put him on the show. So they give me a contract, making more money than I've ever made. I'm a regular on the show. It's going great. The day the head of the network got fired, the next day I got fired. Really? Yeah, because they didn't they didn't put me on the show. It wasn't their call. Oh my God. That was the so, ego. Oh, that sucks. Oh, it was stupid and terrible. And like two years later they go, We shouldn't have fired you. You know, we never made it work. They tried everybody in the world to make it work, and they never made it work again. Do you think there would they would ever bring your character back in the reincarnation of the show? No, I, I don't think so. No. It's admitting they were wrong. <laughs> well, and, and he, I, don't, I don't think he's a lawyer anymore, or he's like doesn't work at the same place anymore. He right. like works yeah. for Grace or something. I, I have no idea. I hadn't yeah. seen it. Yeah, don't don't watch that. <laughs> yeah, they fired you. That's oh, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. That. I know, isn't it weird? There's I, all kind. Of, I got a bunch of stories like that. But, I mean, of how it, I got parts it, it and how I lost still, parts. It must still generate some some good income for you. Yeah. Like, no, the that, income's gone. But I, I tell you what, with, it does recognizability. Yeah. You know, people will call me Harlan. 
I'll, really? You know, yeah. Do you get stopped? Hey, Harlan. The, yeah. You get stopped in the street for autographs and stuff? No, well, no, just, you know, what's, what's a great thing is the cell phone. Because people stop and they want to talk to you. They start asking you questions. You think, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this. And you go, hey, let's do a selfie. Nice. And you, and you do a selfie with them. This is great. And I said, look me up, Gary Grubbs. I got to go. And they'll do it because they got a selfie. They got a name. But before there was that, I mean, I lived in, I couldn't go to Walmart. I couldn't go to, and I was just on enough shows on a different channel that somebody saw me all the time and right. they didn't know who I was twice today. I mean, I just ate at a restaurant over there and I'm getting her to leave. Guy comes over and goes, you're on television, right? And I go a little bit. These ladies over here know you. Well, I take pictures with three ladies, right? And I do that all the time, but they have no idea who I am. But if I say, <laughs> if I say, no, I'm never, no, I'm not on TV. Then they go, yes, you are. I know your voice. And that gets me. Yeah. And I go, okay, let's do it. Let's take some pictures. I got to get out of here. So I can boom, boom, boom and gone. Well, you know, for you in particular, uh, oftentimes whenever um, I'm starting a show or this is, it's happened quite a few times, I'll get an email like, is, hey, is Gary Grubbs down there? Right. You know, from the, the LA casting or from a producer or a director that right. has either worked with you or worked with someone who has worked with you and they're like looking to see like what the talent pool is like in the South. And well, you know, it's strange to me and I, you know, I'm not making a big deal that I don't work more in this market than I do. I work more in the LA market today than I do here. And yeah. I live here and I get, I work more being cast than reading. I get a call and go, Grubbs, where are you? Will you do this part for me? Will you do this part for me? If I read Ryan, I don't get an <laughs> awkward. You're an offer only kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Which which those days are over because Yeah, but but and they also I don't want to work local and I don't want to work for scale and that's kind of a problem. Exactly. That's kind of what I was going to get into. Like back in the Claudia days, you know, I would she would say things like, you know, Oh yeah, but he's like you know six grand a day or so you know like some like big yeah. figure that nobody around here is well, ever gonna. Yeah. But but when they see that it's you, you know they may they'll say oh that's Gary you know I know that he's more he's above scale and you know just like a lot of the roles that we get are are not top of show or not guest stars although there are a lot more of those things happen which. I did send you an audition the other day, right. which you had to turn down because you're a writer as well and had right. to go out to LA and do that stuff, which was a guest star. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, if you'd have cast me, it, I'd have made it work. Go ahead. I don't. I don't have that power. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I could send you a reel, and I do send you a reel for things often, but you're not available. You weren't available. No, I wasn't. And I, I mean, I, I knew it when I got. Well, when I got it, I wasn't sure, and I waited and I waited, and then it came out that I was that I'm supposed to. You're doing a thing. Well, I'm, I'm headed over there where they're shooting my Netflix movie. What's your movie? That uh, I wrote a play. Oh, I shouldn't tell all of this. Well, you don't have to. Well, no, it's I mean, there, there's there's a backstory that's interesting, and it's a secret, so I won't tell it. Uh, does that make everybody guess? Uh, so I uh, I wrote a play called uh, uh, As the Crow Flies, and it became an equity play. It plays to this day in different place, parts in the country. We've all done scenes from it in class. And then Dolly Parton comes along, and she's doing a series uh, – a friend of mine is her producer and they're doing eight Dolly Parton songs made into movies. Well, my play is a lot like one of her songs and they weren't really written together. But when you look at them, you think, yeah, this was, yeah, these two match. 
Wow. And so I just told the producer, change the name of my play, send them the thing and tell them this is based on a Dolly Parton song. And it wasn't. But when they read it, they think, yes, it is. And it's great. We like it. Let's do it. See what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a backdoor deal that doesn't happen too often. Now, do, do you as a writer, I mean, do they... Do you stay on uh, through production, or is it just like they no. bought your script and something? They want else? your script. They don't want you anywhere near. Does anybody doing do rewrites? Do you get approval for any of that? No, I don't. I don't give a rip. Just send me the check. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I because, because yeah. you get there and you're going to annoy them, right. and they're trying to finish. And Tim Busfield, who's a friend of mine, is I work for as yeah. a as a director, is doing it. And my friends. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So my friend Sam thirty Haskell, something. Yeah, and then yeah, that that redheaded dude and uh he'll be fine and uh it's only it was 92 pages now it's 65 wow so they're shooting like a house of fire over there so to get it's through a, it's a one hour movie well yeah shooting it in 10 days netflix new thing is 65 and 75 minute shows 65 and 75 page shows yeah so uh so they called and said we want to do it and i said Send me a check. It's more to it than that, but uh, I got to negotiate my own contract, which was sweet. Did you have to, or maybe you already were, like join the Writers Guild? Yeah, I'm already. I'm You're there. Already there. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you Writers Guild, uh, Act, Screen Actors Guild? What else? After Equity, but uh, I hadn't been on Equity in forever. I hadn't been on WGA forever. I'm mostly SAG after. You know, that's mostly what I do. Don't you wish they could take like any money you make from those and like throw it into your right. one, one pension? Right, because I don't have enough WGA to get a pension. Right, I have enough after and I have enough SAG, so those two I got pretty good retirement. That's awesome. So, at what point did uh, did you come back from LA to the South? The day of nine eleven. Oh, really? I didn't wake up knowing it was going to be nine eleven. Had to pay the movers for two days because we couldn't do anything. We we're looking at the television. It's like, what? What the you know? shit? Yeah. But uh, my daughter graduated from college, and she wanted to attend Southern Miss where we did. My son was going into high school, and the truth is he had a bad high school situation. He didn't want to go to that high school. And, uh, and this is strange. Uh, my wife read to me. She said, listen to this show. It's called Survivor. And it's coming on this week, and it's a bunch of people on an island, and they vote each other off. I remember it. Yeah, and I said, well, nobody's going to watch that. They know craft services is there. They know wardrobe is there. They know somebody's directing them. Nobody's going to watch that crap. It's the highest-rated show in two years. And I said to my wife, they'll watch that. They'll watch anything. We're out of here. And she said, what? I said, that reality stuff is going to take over. And I didn't know how smart I was. And it started, you know, and it has taken over. It's, It's taken over the networks. And so we, all of a sudden, before there was Netflix and Amazon and whatever, there was less and less work. And I said, okay, the kids want to go home. We were going home when 10 years later, I said, let's go. And literally in three weeks, we went out there and decided, and in three weeks we were there and we were there and we decided to come home and in three weeks we were home. Wow. We just left, you know. Yeah, but and it, you, were, you were in LA for so long too. Yeah, 25 years. But when I got back here, you could get your quote I, for years for a number of years you could get ten thousand a week and then it was eight and then it was six and then it was five and i just watched it go down Ugh. right and uh so i made a really good living here for you were the only actor here i know <laughs> so they had to pay it right i beat everybody i got here ahead of everybody and so and i had and i had a resume and people knew me and, yeah. and a director would come in here who i'd work for out there and they didn't, you know, they didn't have to pay my way down here and everything. Plus, I, I, I fit those shows at that time. 
Well, when I, I moved back from LA, I was there for about eight years. And when I moved back in 2004, the first job I had was as a stand-in on a movie you were in um, called, cool. called The Dead Will Tell. It was a TV movie uh, with Anne Heche. And I was a stand-in for Jonathan LaPaglia for the entire run. And, um, and I, I remember you working. I think you worked for a couple of weeks on it. Yeah, and I remember, and then I and then I worked. I started doing some extras casting, and uh, was also like an extra on uh, Glory Road. And I saw you on set there, and I right. and I remember going up to you and being like, "Hey, I I was on uh, was a stand-in on uh, The Dead Will Tell, and said hi great? to you." Yeah, yeah. I think you were like, "Get out of my face, kid!" <laughs> right. <laughs> Bring yeah. your cell phone, and we'll take a selfie. <laughs> right. That was pre-cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So then you guys get back to Mississippi and what was that transition like? Did did you like Well, it was it was it was pretty difficult. I mean, we did it for the children. We didn't do it for us. Right. But my son had a perfect high school situation. My daughter had a perfect, you know, and so I so we made it fine because I started coming down here and getting work. And uh Claudia, who's my best agent I've ever had, uh Richie Montgomery said, "You should be get with my agent. Her name is Claudia Spiker." And I said, okay, uh, what's her number? And he gave it to me and I called her. I said, tell her I'm gonna call her. And uh, and you know her, I called her. She's probably right over here at Mojo's. She answers <laughs> the phone. And I said, this is uh, Gary Grubbs. And she goes, yeah, Richie said you might call. I said, uh, I'm looking for an agent. She said, you got one. Aww. And I said, who? And she goes, me. And I said, <laughs> uh, okay, do I need to send a resume? She goes, okay, make sure you got Will and Grace on there. Make sure you, she knew my whole resume. She knew, every, you know. And uh, I, I said, do we need to sign a contract? She said, no, I'm your agent, aren't I? I said, absolutely, and I just loved her. I never signed a contract with her. I don't think anybody did. Yeah. They just slide the check right. under the door. Right, and then and then it'd take her three months to, to cash your check. You really? think she's not gonna cash the check. Oh my God. I mean, you'd, That would you'd, drive me nuts. Yeah, you would be, you know, you'd slide it under the door in November and she'd cash it the next February. I'm like, I'm the type of person that's like, get this out of my bank account right. because I will spend it. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I miss her a lot. She was she was definitely yeah. She's one of a kind. One of a kind. She and, was old school agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. She was my agent when I was a kid around here. <laughs> when I was a kid actor, like nine, ten years old, like she would send me on auditions. Yeah, that's great. Like, during the World's Fair. Time <laughs> during the World's Fair, yeah. I was here. Came to the World's Fair. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I know we've talked a lot about uh, you know your LA days and here and like the the quote. Do you, what is the big difference that you see uh, outside of like the pay gap uh, between being an LA actor versus being someone that's in the southeastern market as a regional actor? Well, my friends in LA are asking me should I should I go to New Orleans? Should I move to Atlanta? It's terrible here. They're, they're doing the same thing in L.A. they're doing here. There'll be, there'll be an actor. saw an actor the other day. won't say his name. A, a four-decade actor. He says, I'm going to Sacramento next week, and i gotta, I got to pay my way, and i got to pay my hotel. Out of L.A. So it's just become uh, – here's, here's the way I explain it. There, there used to be three channels. Because when Fox came out, I, I'm not working on Fox. Who is Fox? I'm working on ABC, CBS, and NBC. Right. And then they offered me a double, uh, uh, two episodes on Married with Children, and I said, yeah, I'm about to do Fox, you know? So right. I started on Married with Children. But the point is, there used to be four channels, and then there was 20 channels, and now there are 100 channels. Right. Nobody's watching anything. 
Right. It's you all I mean? content. It's all so. The point is, the advertiser who used to, I would do movie, I did two movie the weeks and two weekends, and they both had 50 million viewers. Now they try to get three or four million. Right. And so an advertiser on a 50 million viewers will pay some money, and the actors get paid some money, and the production gets paid some money. Now, Lifetime that I used to do, you know, the budgets are smaller now than when I did Lifetime 30 years ago because they had so many more viewers. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And a Lifetime movie was not on a Lifetime channel. It was on ABC, CBS, or NBC. Oh. You see? It wasn't its own network. No, absolutely not. Hallmark was not its own network. But Lifetime is owned by NBC, I right. believe. Yeah, Yeah, but it, they, all, they became their own network. So, it, so basically, viewer-wise, nobody, the, none of the channels have anybody watching them compared to back in the day when they paid you more money. And the yeah. So so your friend who is bringing himself to Sacramento. Why do you think that happened? I mean, like you ready? All, all, I know exactly what happens. All of, no, like in general with actors, like the union, the union, the SAG is worthless. Word, SAG is worthless, and I tell them that every time I go that in the stands office. Stands for Screen Actors Guild. I tell them that every time I go in the office. And the reason they're worthless is screen actors were dumb enough, I'm going now, Arna, to, to vote SEG, Nobody Screen Extras Guild, into the SAG so we can't strike. Because extras aren't going to strike. So, so extras are making $100 a day, they're going to make 105 So they don't strike. So they won't strike, so we can't vote for a strike. So the producers and the studios and the networks just do whatever the heck they want to us because we have no power to stop them. Right. And plus, actors are, you know what it is? And this is, this is the biggest thing. Actors take those jobs and actors won't strike for two words, health insurance. Yeah. They're going to miss their health insurance. Well, there's just so many actors that aren't working. It just seems like they get to this point of SAG is worthless. Go ahead. A little bit of desperation where it's like, you know, I mean, honestly, there are so many actors that are willing to forego, which they're not supposed to the travel fees and the, this and the, that, that they just, they just want the job. They want the right. credit, um, that they will, there will always be options, right. you know, to producers of people who are quote unquote local hire. Right. You know? So that's like what, what the four decaders are up against. It's like you guys used to, you know, have this uh, premium that you deserve. Right. That this is just kind of lost now. It's gone. You know, and the business has changed. I, I hope I'm not part of that. You know, I mean, I know I'm you like, are. I know I'm re I'm a relatively new <laughs> casting director. Right. Um, and I'm in a regional market and I know that there are actors who work local hire, you know, that live, you know, over 60 miles away. Um, you know. But I got a couple hundred credits, almost. Uh, there are actors with 60, 70, 80 credits who will gladly work local and will gladly travel local. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, a lot of those actors don't make a living as an actor. It's their second job. So, oh, I got another job. I got another job. Right. So it doesn't matter to them that they're paying. It doesn't matter to them how much money they make. So at the end of the day, you get replaced. They may want me for X amount of dollars, but they can get this guy for a third as much and he's pretty good. Yeah. It's not like they're going to hire somebody like, we're going to ruin the part because we don't hire grubs. They'll hire an actor that's a good actor, you know, and he'll work for scale. So the competition is such that you, you don't do yourself any good by saying I'm not going to work, which is why I'm writing more again. 
Yeah. But okay. I, I don't think I think you are in a position where and I'm I'm sure you seem to have this this uh position like in my view that you wouldn't accept that you would just say no i'm not doing that i know well i do all the time yeah constantly i mean and it's amazing to me that they put on the the casting directors put on the on (laughs) on the breakdown uh must work local must work for scale and you think so i don't read now i may could get more than local and scale if i read right but to me that's so disrespectful i just say i'm not messing with it i the heck with it you know you know what I've, I got retirement. I got Social Security. I, w- I work as a writer, so I just don't compromise where other actors will. Now, okay, not to change the subject too much, but back in the day during the Dead Will Tell, um, I remember you having these shoes that had giant coils on them, <laughs> and and you told me that you you had a store. I, I did. Think. What was that? What was the deal with that? I had something called plantar fasciitis, which is uh, inflammation on the bottom of the feet, and when you have it, you can't walk. And I ran into a guy here who was an actor. Oh, heck, what was his name? And he had a store right around the corner over here. And I went and put those shoes on. I go, oh, my gosh, these things are incredible. So I kind and I can all of a sudden I can walk and I can run. I can jog. I can do all kind of that I couldn't do because they take half the they take half your body pressure and it goes into the shoe instead of into your foot. So all of a sudden anything is hurt and take half the pressure off. It doesn't hurt. So I say, what the heck? And I call these people up. I go to New Mexico. I look. I invest first because I think this because it was like two million, four million, six million. It's just growing. So I invest in the company, and then I told my wife, what the heck? Let's put in a store, you know, right here in Hattiesburg because they're selling them in New Orleans. Yeah. So we put in a store, and uh, and the problem with the shoes were they worked and they worked well, but the the company was small and they would not change the styles. Uh, and people care what the style of their shoes are. Yeah. So this is 20 years later from when I learned about them, and they're still the same style. But people buy them, and they're people, they're people at Lowe's. Do you still and home- have the store? No. Oh. We, we ran the store for about three years, and then we found, this is where we made our money. We're looking online at another store, and there's some colorful things on a rack over there. And my wife goes, what are those? I said, I don't know. They look like shoes. So we called that store and said, what is that on that rack? And she, and she said, Crocs. You should get those if you can get them. And so we call up the place and we get the head of the company, right? And he's ecstatic that we want to put a, we want, and so we're the first store in Mississippi to get Crocs. Before long, we have two stores because we can't store them. We get to the store every morning and people are lined up out the door. Wow. And we made more, we made five times as much money on Crocs as we did Z coils. What a Croc. It was a, it was a Croc. Now the crazy thing was I am so busy selling them and so fast selling them and making so much money on them that it goes public. The the company goes public. And I think really, that's great. So it's supposed to start open at 12 and the first day is at 24. The stock is, Oh my God. It went to 78 in about three months and I never bought one share. Oh my God. Because I'm selling the, I'm selling the shoes. And then all of a sudden we sign a contract. We're the only store in Mississippi that can have them all of a sudden, boom, they're everywhere. Shit. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we, we sent my daughter to, uh, university of Texas on, on money from Crocs. Nice. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. That's awesome. That I didn't, I didn't know that that story was going to go yeah. from Z coil to Croc. <laughs> what a Croc go. And then, so then you, you're also, uh, an accomplished, 
acting teacher. So what, what, tell me about your class. Like how can uh, an <laughs> aspiring actor that's listening to this get in your class or what, what do you cover? Well, I don't know that I'm a teacher. I think I'm a trainer. Okay. You know, you know what I mean by that? So, some people get up and because I went to all the different classes, mm-hmm. uh, what I realized in a class that one person would respond to this method in this process, another one would respond to this method. Okay. You know, and they wouldn't. So what I do is I teach a little of all of it, but in my class, unlike a lot of classes, I don't talk a lot, but everybody works a lot. So Jason's in my class. He'll do a scene with a guy. He'll do a scene with a girl. He'll do a comedy scene. He'll do. So they get, they get, they work out yeah. and they get to work out in front of other people. And then we give a few comments and we just keep moving. So I don't know. I don't even consider myself a teacher. I, I'm the, I am the instructor because I have all the scenes and nobody else has them. <laughs> I've been, I, I, I've been collecting I like that. So, I mean, you know what works and what doesn't work. And, right. And, you know, I think the most, one of the most helpful things uh, for an actor is to have someone who has a, a vocabulary that can just give them a word or two. Yeah, to, I'm, to yeah I'm that guy. Them, get their mind spinning and let right. them let them be creative and and go on a path based on what you're right what you're telling them and what you're what you're seeing. So it works well. I'm in my. F- Fourth or fifth year, fourth. How long have you been with me? Three, three. Yeah. Um, so our show is called Talking Like Normal People because uh, I don't I don't know if you ever listened to the show, but there's a there's a, a urban legend that uh, Ang Lee, the director, was on set one time and behind the monitor, and an actor was doing a thing, and and he looked at his AD or someone and said, I just wish they would talk like a normal person. <laughs> so uh, I think you know most film and TV actors, um, it's a good aspiration for them to just be a normal person, right. right? Talk like a normal person. How do you, as an actor, talk like a normal person? Uh, because... <laughs> Keep it natural, grounded, real. Well, and that's back to my arrogance because I think I'm good, and I think I am me myself is enough. You know what I mean? And I think you're crazy if you don't hire me, and I'm just going to be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I make some choices, but I, I have never. One of the keys I shouldn't tell all this. One of the keys to my success, as when I started, even when I went to L.A. and you asked me how did you start working? Every time I went on audition, I thought I was going to get the part. Every time I went on audition, I thought I was the best person. You know what I mean? I I was never nervous. I never went in a room and was nervous. You know what I mean? Right. Especially so I could talk to people. And that served me well. But I had been a a salesman. You know what I mean? I had, you know, I had always had to do that. So I always had to be talking about something else. So when I got there, I just felt, felt pretty comfortable. And I was right for a lot of parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't go in and go, oh, this is not really me. You know, a lot of those early parts. And then I was there about eight or nine months. And I told my agent, I would answer the phone, and I would say, <laughs> humor and intelligence. Is this scary? Humor and intelligence. Because that's the parts I wanted to go on. I know, I know. <laughs> humor and intelligence. I said, right. Because they're sending me on these southern kick-ass tough guys, right? right. And they go, okay, Gary, you got an apartment for Billy Bob? I go, no, I don't. I don't read for Billy Bob. And I wouldn't read for Jimbo. I wouldn't read for Billy Bob. I wouldn't read for anything that said good old boy. Mm-hmm. Because the parts were the lawyers and the judges and the cops and the FBI agents. You wanted substantial yeah. roles. Yeah, and 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 the FBI agent is the one that runs down Billy Bob and puts him in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just wouldn't do it. Drove my agents crazy. But then after a few months, they go, "Okay, we got it. You're right." <laughs> because one, if you if you 
and for you or anybody else, if I come in and I do Billy Bob really good for you, next Billy Bob part comes up, you go, Carl Grubbs, he's really good at that. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a good Billy Bob because the parts didn't interest me and the parts weren't intelligent and the parts usually weren't the lead. They were usually the bad guys. So I wanted to be the cop, the FBI agent, or the, or the lawyer, or somebody going after Billy Bob. So I figured that out early on, and it's really what got me going and kept me from, because I saw some, I watched some of my friends work their way right out of the business. After three or four years, they were done because they couldn't play anything else. And they would ask me, how, how do you get to, they won't let me read for that. And I go, no joke, because you've been running around playing it for five years. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so I typed myself, and and I was smart enough to stay in a category, a larger category. Good. Yeah. You and you figured out what roles are gonna work for a right. longer period, right? On yeah. uh, on yeah. film as opposed to like a one day, right? Or two days, or yeah, or the bad guy, or the you know, the killer, the foul mouth. I mean, I did a few of those, but I it, I was not get. I knew I would not go anywhere if I stayed in that in that area. Wow. I want to ask something that kind of ties together classes plus your long career and the shift of what's been happening lately what do you think an actor now coming into the market as you said you know nobody's really making any money that can sustain themselves so how uh and you've incorporated writing and all that do you think that you have to do a lot of different things or how, do, how does an actor today survive make, yeah survive and make a true living out of this well first of all the truth is and i hate to say it it's much harder it's more difficult today than it was when i started i see that and i know that also, because of technology, for the first time, an actor can really make a film or really can get together with a friend and make a 20-minute short. I think you have to think of yourself, you know what I mean, as an uh, actor, writer, producer, and not just do the acting, but get some people together and, and find out, okay, can I go also go this way? Not get out of the business and do something else. Not, I mean, a lot of people just have to have a job. Create your own projects. Yeah. And you can, and you. when I started, you couldn't. You know, you couldn't have a camera, you couldn't own a camera, you couldn't even have the little video camera. Right, you couldn't and, afford it. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you if you're really it. good, you can almost make one on a cell phone, yeah. you know? And yeah. so, I would say that's the best way. Uh, but you have to be dedicated to the process and have to be available. I mean, if you are, a lot of people can't work because they can't get off from work to, as an actor, they can't get off from work to read. They can't get, if they get the part. Mm. You know, I've seen some good actors in my class end up losing their agent because they're just not available. They got kids, so people who go to L.A. are going to L.A. to be an actor, and they're mostly not married. You know what I mean? Yeah. They mostly don't have kids. They're mostly available. They get jobs where they're only where they're available to work. Yep. So a higher percentage of the people in L.A. you call them, they're there. They'll they're, quit their job that day to yeah. be there they're there to act right yeah here it's the second job for most people you're one of the few and you found a way to work your way into it as much as anybody you're one of the few that makes yourself i mean you're gonna be here i mean when i was an actor in la i had that the mentality of any survival job i had would get dropped in a heartbeat right for for any reason it would just be like oh i need to run across town to santa monica for this audition i'm going i'm going okay i i have five jobs okay yeah. this one i can yeah. just drop you know right. like yeah. you just do what you got to do and yeah i mean if you're there and you're you're set on making it happen you do well, as much as you can not only that then first job i got okay it's so and so three days double scale you know what i mean it's so you know you're going 
All right. Uh, you know, you read for Magnum PI last week, three weeks ago. They didn't like you, but they like you for this part. You're headed to Hawaii for four days, two tickets, one for you and your wife, first class. The, the limo will pick you up. I mean, it was a different world. Yeah. Every time you went to the airport, it was first class. Every time you went to the airport, it was a limo. Every time. And, and first the limo goes away, and then the first class goes away, and then, you know. So the business. And, and I had what, never seen a ticket for a spouse. Right. In oh my yeah. Time. Yeah. Well, if you were, they knew that going to Hawaii that everybody wanted to take their spouse, so it was just part of it. Wow. So. Uh, so um, before we switch to any questions you might have for me, what's something that you want uh, casting or producers to know about you that they might not know, or maybe that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That know about me that they may not know. Casting our producers. Um, God, that's bad that I don't know the answer to that. Well, you don't have to know the answer. Well, is there something about you that that like like some passion, other passion that you have that uh, you know, like you are also a fantastic painter, or you know, I don't know. My wife is a fantastic painter. Glenda Grubbs, Facebook, buy some art. Let's see. Oh, she is a fantastic. Really? Yeah, yeah, she's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I got her creative family. Uh, no, I think everybody kind of knows who I am and what I do. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. I can't think of anything that I go, okay, you guys don't know this. I mean, I've been around a long time. I think everybody kind of knows what the heck I do and who I am. Uh, so just if you're out there and you ask me to read for one part and I read for another, that's what I want you to know, that I want the other part. That? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. You have any questions for me? Uh, do you remember when you cast me in that movie way back when? Uh, okay. What's that guy's name? It was a comedy thing. Oh, Will Ferrell movie. Will Ferrell movie. I'll, so I'll the tell campaign. Jay, I'll tell Jason the story. So I, I come in and read for the Will Ferrell movie for uh, – Ryan and I get cast in a part and it says the, the part says uh, a federal official so I think and the Congress is there and all so I think I'm a member of Congress or somebody in Washington or whatever so I go to wardrobe and I get there and a guy goes you're gonna love this outfit and I get there and it's one of those ran rancher you know security what a it was a, a park ranger. A park ranger with a big hat, with a straight thing. You know what I mean? With shorts, with socks that pulled up to your kneecaps, with, with silly shoes, with so-and-so. And he comes in and goes, don't you love this? And I go, I'm not wearing that. It's like Billy Bob to me. I'm not wearing that. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean you're not wearing it? He goes, we just got it. Don't you love it? I said, I'm sorry. They're going to have to get somebody else. What do you mean you got the part? I said, I don't have it anymore. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that part. Because I was gonna, thought I was going to be a federal official. This is like me not doing the rednecks. So I walk out of there, but I had put on his, I put on the thing, his his name and costume, right? So he gets somebody else, probably going, J.D. Evermore. Yeah. Uh, so he gets J.D. Evermore to do the part. And a few weeks later, I have another job and I go, where's, I got that, I got that costume person's name here somewhere. And I look and it's, I got it left over from the other job. And I call and I get the other costume person, the first one that I'd walked out on. And I said, hey man, Gary Grubbs. And he goes, yeah. And I said, uh, when do you want me to come in? He goes, what are you being a smart ass? Oh, <laughs> right? And then he calls you. 
And then you call Claudia going, what's Gary doing harassing the, you remember all this? Well, Maybe. A yeah, yeah, you did. What's Gary doing harassing? I go, what? And she goes, Gary, what were you doing? I go, oh my God, really? Did it really go that full circle? Because all I, I was trying to call the other person. And that guy got so mad. He got mad the day I left. And then he thought I was calling up harassing, making fun of him. <laughs> I don't, so even, I, thought, I don't even remember who it was. I don't either. But anyway, uh, I just remember that story. So so Ryan didn't have me in for like eight years. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Three. Not true. I just learned that he doesn't do uh, uh, Billy, Bob Billy Bobs. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't, Early on. I, I don't wear shorts. <laughs> you get a lot of Billy Bobs around here. Yeah. So. Um, cool, man. All Any right. Other- so wait now. So we're, we're going to ask you about... All right, uh, Jason, you can ask him questions too. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. no pressure here. No. Uh, uh, how do you you get so many submissions? So and you uh, so how do you choose out of all those submissions? Is it history? Is it you knowing them? Is it agent? Is it their resume? How do you choose gets to come in here and read? That's a good. That's a really good question. Um, history is a good part of it. Um, their headshot and resume is a big part of it if i'm not familiar with the actor i will you know and they and they seem like the you know at first glance through the headshot if they seem like the type that i'm looking for um and then if i'm not familiar with them i'll click uh click on the site and look at their resume watch any videos that they have i don't spend like hours you know can't, you can't. know researching one person if they have a, a demo reel up there i'll um, i'll click on it I'll watch, you know, maybe the first twenty seconds. Uh, if it's right. if it seems like they're a good actor, I'll I'll put them in the mix. If it if it's the crappiest thing I've ever saw, then I will reconsider having them. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's another big part of it. Um, sometimes agents will, you know, talk you into talk. It. Yeah, they'll pitch someone. Um, but for the most part, um, I I'm pretty familiar with everyone who's local or uh, even regional. I do get a lot of submissions from Atlanta of people that I'm not very familiar with and agencies that I'm not very familiar with. And that's when that that second process with the headshot and resume really comes into, and the reel comes into play. Um, you know, because I, I know I'm gonna be dealing with the potential of them, you know, not being great or, wasting my time or and not being local because they're they live in atlanta um but do, when you cast some people out of atlanta that come here and work local um some do but you know for the most part we we usually get them the mileage hotel per diem right you know especially on television um i haven't done film a lot of film in a, a while now it's been mostly television it's usually the you know the low budget films that right. don't have the money to you know if they need it to be local locals they're right. wanting me to look locally all right so are some agents just simply got a better list than other agents and you know it do you go to the, do you go okay some, <laughs> look a, at some, look. some agents have a better track record record with booking talent you know they have they have more established talent that you know uh, that work. All right. So do you go to them first? Okay, you got X amount of time, X amount of parts. Can you go? Okay, I'm gonna use these four four agencies. I don't need 22 agencies. Mm. Do you ever do that? I I I mean, 
if I could do that, I would, but they all submit to the same place, you know, like it all come, like I don't just release the breakdown to four agencies. So I'm getting submissions from 50 or a hundred agencies, you know, and, and, yeah, and I take it roll by roll, um, and just go through it. But yeah, obviously if I, if it's a local agency and I know that their talent are here and they're good, I'm going to. I'm going to look at them. Are the actors who come in who are really good talent and you watch them, but as a person, the way they're in the room, the things they say are are just not professional or they're a butt, you know, Uh you don't want to work with them and you put them on a list. If you got actors, you go, I don't want to deal with this actor. Uh huh. And, and then you have other actors who you really like and you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a shot. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Some actors that uh, have a great attitude, but aren't, you know, as as one technically wonderful of an actor that right. had the potential, but you know haven't had the opportunities that I would right. put them on a list. One of the things I see that's a problem for the actors that come to my class. Sometimes I'll ha- have an actor and they're forty years old mm-hmm. and they start acting, and in two or three years they're dynamite. They're really great, but they have no credits. Right, and they get upset because they can't get an interview, and you know they get despondent, you know, uh, angry whatever and i try to explain to them it's a heck of a lot harder to start at 30 than 20 and 40 than you know what i mean and that your problem is that you don't have enough credits but if you're 50 years old there's a lot of women who have 50 credits am i right about that sure so so the credit list makes a difference i mean it can make a difference but i i see a lot of new people you know i know there are some casting folks who only want to see like folks with credits and people who are seasoned but um you know if it's like if you have no credits and it's a role that's one two lines i'm gonna i'm gonna give newer people a shot because folks who are seasoned like you don't want to do those roles you know you don't want to do one line you want something more substantial that's going to work for several weeks and you know, especially on TV, I may not want to use a, a seasoned actor on a one-liner. You know, I want to save like these actors for some more substantial role that might come up. Um, so you don't want to burn them. You right. know, so that's where the opportunities for folks with you know few credits comes into play is the smaller under five roles. You know, take those opportunities. Go on those auditions. I mean, eventually, you keep going on the audition, eventually you're going to land something if you're a good actor. Let me follow up on that because that's come up recently in, in class is of those under five type of auditions, how does somebody that you don't know stand out by making it more interesting but not making it too much of a meal? You know, <laughs> um, I don't know if that makes sense. I think, you know, the most important thing for me in the audition is uh, when someone it creates the environment of whatever the situation is, as opposed to just saying a line or two, you know, right static to camera. I like to see a little, a little business, you know, um, make some choices. Think about what, what it is that's happening before this moment, you know, even if it's not, what actually happens before this moment, but for your character, you know, like make some, some distinct, uh, have some opinions about what you're yeah. doing. 
You know? We talk about that in class. We call it the moment before. The moment before, yeah. And it could be a moment after. Right. And I'm okay with like a little improv here and there. I don't want you rewriting the script. Um, but if you want to like put a little tag at the end of it that that applies to what you're doing, you know, like some of those things really like went out the the audition, you know, like we um, on an episode of a show I'm doing uh, for the last round of casting we did. Um, there's a role who uh, has a bunch of people come in at the end and they sing happy birthday to this person. There's so much fun you could have with that right like it's just like an awkward situation and then this other thing happens at the end of the scene and you know like i got some self tapes whereas like some people had a reader that didn't know how to sing happy birthday song you know it's like get somebody who can like read for you a if you're doing a self tape um but like take the extra time with that and like have fun with it you know, like obviously this person is in this awkward situation uh, at the last line of the scene. And then this other thing happens to them that makes it, you know, surprising on one hand and then also more awkward. You know, just it's like know the situation, know the environment and use everything you can to help sell us. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. Well, uh, well one of the things we noticed in class is we uh, I won't I won't throw any names out, uh, but we have male and female who are very good actors. But you look at them and say, "What is this part?" You know, I, I do this sometimes. What part do you play? Well, they don't look like a cop. They don't look like a teacher. They don't look like a daddy. They don't look. They're typeless. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And because uh, what I see is we have a couple of people in class that are very specific type. You go. You know, she's a doctor, she's a lawyer, she's a this, and she gets more appointments because of her type. And then I also talk about in class, one of the things in L.A., they, they talk ethnically ambiguous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes I will try to recommend somebody moving from my class to L.A., and they go, we don't want a, we don't want a white guy. <laughs> and it's sad. It's like, oh, my gosh. And it's true that they want that thing. So my question is back to is everybody really, really type conscious and that, and that's where you really need to be first. You need to be the right type for the thing. Um, you know, when, when we have on television, we have these casting concept meetings where we'll talk about the characters and, uh, maybe what ethnicity we want them to be potentially, um, what gender age range, um, or maybe it's open, um, it just depends on the role, really. You know, for some roles, it could go either way. You know, male, female, right. any, any ethnicity. Um, there is definitely a big push all around to, you know, to diversify and have more diversity in casting. You know, so that it's not all white people. Right. You know, um, you know, just giving everyone an opportunity. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I feel sorry for certain people that I have in my class who are very good actors and actresses, and I think I have no idea what to cast you in. What I mean, I have yeah. no idea if I'm just looking. Because a lot of people, you can walk in and go, now Jason bridges several gaps. You know what I mean? He can be yeah. a redneck, or he can be the preacher, or he can be an FBI agent. Yeah. And, and that's that's good for him because he doesn't have a very specific look. But yeah, every uh, man. Yeah, he's every man. That's uh, right. 
Uh, but there are others, and I go, oh, my gosh, because they're working so hard, and I'm working so hard with them, and they're doing good work, and I'm thinking, I don't know how. I, I just feel like it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because cash and retro looks at you and goes, I'm not sure where you fit in. So that's really difficult. I mean, we kind of discuss it in class sometimes. It, sometimes I don't want to tell the people in class the truth of how hard the business is because they'll go, well, what am I doing here? It is so hard and so impossible. Yeah. You know, and it is. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah, I think it's just important for actors to be confident. Right. You know, if they have the skills and they understand what they're doing, but they're not confident, it's just going to be hard to. No, that's true. For them to get a job. That's back to where yeah. I was early in my career when you said, "How did you get started?" I was confident. Yeah. I thought I was pretty good. And yeah. I thought, you, and I wasn't. You seem like a confident person. So. Right. So, I, and I was even from the start. Now I'm cocky. Now I was confident then. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a new podcast. <laughs> Confidence versus cocky. No. All right. So here here was my joke. Uh, in the business uh, on the breakdown you know they would come out and go we're looking for somebody strong but vulnerable handsome but humble uh sensitive but not sissy and it's like what in the what is that who is that person you know what i mean i think the funniest to to tie this all together or the funniest thing i've heard you say about that is uh there was a breakdown that said a gary grubbs type and he he said I'm available, and they didn't cast. They said, uh, yeah, it was a Gary Grubbs type. Really? Yeah. And then my agent calls and says he's available, and I go, he's too old. Wow. Yeah. I I uh, I all all the time I want to like when we have these meetings, uh, the producer will be like a Gary Grubbs type. I'm just using you as an example, and I so want to put that kind of stuff in the breakdown, but I I never do. Like, right. I just know that that's what I'll look for. Well, you go know. ahead and do it. It makes me look cool to my acting students. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That ha- that's happened to a friend of mine back in the day, like on like a commercial breakdown. We're looking for a, uh, it was like a guy from the AT&T commercial and it was him. So yeah. what, uh, the other thing I got going on right now, and I know you're dying to know, and so is this audience, is that I'm in negotiation with CBS on a game show of all things. Awesome. Uh, it's not awesome. It's terrible because they're trying to they're trying to do the same thing to me as a producer and a creator of a show as they do to actors. They're trying to pay you scale, no per diem. I mean, they're just it is the worst offer, and we're literally into the eighth week of negotiation. And, well, and maybe I think you shouldn't gonna, be talking about this before I, it's settled. <laughs> no, absolutely. I want them to hear it. <laughs> they're not going to hear it. <laughs> no, they're offering me nothing. <laughs> it's not a good offer, CBS. Wow. Well, I uh, can you talk about a game show or on the on the here? Yeah, like what like what kind of game show it is? E- In a nutshell. Uh, no, we don't need to talk about it okay. because it's too it's so specific as to what it is and how it works that somebody else could take a variation of it okay. and say it's not what yeah, it's not the same thing. That's awesome. But as soon as we hang up here, as soon as we sign off, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Are we like way over time, Jace? I don't just hour and 10, so we're good. Nice. Yeah. Um, Gary, do you do any social media or are you not really not enough uh do you have like a twitter or instagram i have a gary grubbs fan page which, oh, which is an, an incredible story on facebook uh facebook gary grubbs fan page so sign on to that and you will know that's how i know what i'm on the fan page tells me <laughs> oh somebody else created it uh, uh 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 i will give her credit right now her name is cindy krill she uh uh all of a sudden people say i love your fan page and i go what fan page you have a facebook fan page i go no i don't and they go, yes, you do. 
So I said, tell my wife, check Facebook. Do I have a fan page? We go in there and there's this beautiful fan page. I go, what the heck? Who's doing that, right? And so then we, uh, then we, then we uh, watch it for a few, few weeks and I think it's great. Great taste, great photos, great, you know, telling what, you know, people are joining. She's saying great things. And so long story short, after about three months, we get the, you know, my wife sends a private message and says, Gary loves your fa- his fan page. He'd like to talk to you. This is 10 years ago. She's still running my fan page and it's phenomenal. And so I call this girl up and she's a young girl uh, and she's literally a cowboy. I mean, she, a cowgirl, she's, she's in boots and jeans and the whole works. And, uh, she said, well, I saw you on, I liked you on Will and Grace. And then Fred was my favorite character on Angel, the television series, Angel. And I was her father. And she goes, and I had seen you, and then I liked you as Fred's daddy on Angel, and I saw you didn't have a fan page. So I created you one. Is that okay? I said, normally it wouldn't be, but it's beautiful, and you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I thought, you know, this is going to get crazy. It has been so classy, and it has been so controlled, and it has been so uh, uh, a professional. Well, shout out. So go join Gary's fan page. Yeah. How do do, uh, actors get involved in your class? Uh, you send me an email to Gary Grubbs class at Gmail. Gary Grubbs class at gmail.com. And then I'll put you on the mailing list and you'll get invited to every class. Awesome. All right. So thank you, Jason, uh, yeah. producer, engineer. Uh, other social media, uh, we're at Talk Like Normal, uh, at Glorioso Casting, at Jason Edwards TV, at Full Grown Mouse, and Justin TC underscore underscore. All right. That's another awesome episode. Thank you, Gary, so much oh, for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. Create a searchable profile accessible by multiple casting directors who are casting major film, television, and commercial projects. MyCastingFile.com.